Welcome to another edition of the Volunteer State. I'm Blake Topmeyer alongside the Knoxville News Sentinel's Adam Sparks. We thought we were going to have John Adams with us today, but he is out with an injury. Wait a second, John, are you are you injured or are you just faking it? Hey, I just talked to my vascular surgeon, Will, Willard Campbell, uh-huh. and he's got the uh, ultrasound to prove I'm not faking it. And for that reason, with all the issues, medical issues I've had, I find it abhorrent that anybody would fake illness or an injury. Well, yes, and that brings us into our our lead topic today because, uh, of course, uh, fake injuries became a little subplot of SEC football last year, particularly as it surrounded Tennessee games. Tennessee was running that up-tempo offense last year under Josh Heupel. Uh, We saw... A couple opponents uh, go down with some phantom injuries or apparent phantom injuries, especially late game situations against Tennessee, maybe dealing with that tempo. And and the NCAA had a chance to to maybe do something about it. And Adam, it doesn't seem like they they did much, did they? The NCAA had it had its uh, rules committee meeting and discussed it with coaches, and coaches pushed back and said, "We think we can." go another year of faking injuries. This obviously hits Tennessee more than most teams because Tennessee has the fastest offense in terms of plays per minute in in college football. And most notably the Ole Miss game that hit them pretty hard late in the game because, I mean, Lane Kiffin, you can see it on video. I mean, you can see it on the replay of the game. He is, you know, pointing to the ground saying, go down, go down. Now, hold on, Adam. You're you're telling me all these guys weren't just cramping up. That was a long game. We had a delay from debris on the field. Those guys were out there a long time. Uh, All cramps, yeah. 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 Now, that was kind of a cool October evening, if if I recall. I was not there. You and John were. But it it wasn't a cool evening. But still, you could cramp up in cool weather, right? Oh, well, sure. it's and, and now here's the problem. There is that um, the pushback from coaches on changing this rule was that they say some of these are legit. And how are you going to tell me that one guy's faking a cramp and another guy isn't cramping or an injury isn't legit? Um, you know, the proposal that was put forward uh, for a new rule would be if you fake an injury, um, you know, you're you're done for the possession. Um, or if, if you're injured at all, that is, you've got to sit out the rest of the possession. So if you are faking, you're going to be penalized. And if you're injured, you should be out for a while. Uh, the problem with that is a lot of coaches said, yeah, but if you have a minor injury, if you get banged up, nicked up, whatever you want to call it, you would normally be out for two or three plays and it's a 12 play possession. Well, then that guy's going to have to sit out the rest of the possession when otherwise he could have played. So he's going to try to stay in the game and play injured and that's going to lead to to worse things. It, it's it's a legitimate gripe, I think. You know, maybe the in the middle uh, argument is why don't you or proposal is that why don't you just have guys sit out for three plays or five plays, sit out the rest of the series. Um, but then you've got to then you've got to have somebody in the stadium, an official of some kind, counting plays and to see when a guy can come back in. And then you're adding another layer of legislation I don't think you need. I, I kind of like the the five-play penalty. that call it a penalty, I guess. It's not really a penalty. It's just if you get hurt, you have to sit out for five plays, and then you come back in. And I would think you could apply this only to defensive players because I'm not sure why an offensive player would, would fake an injury. So the, the rule could just be if, if you're a defensive player and you need injury attention, you have to sit out for five plays. But – 
um, and see if that would deter some of these fake injuries. Uh, but as you said, Adam, that kind of becomes a little bit of a, a logistical nightmare. You'd have to have like a someone up in the booth, an official up in the booth. I would have to think like, you know, making sure these these guys that exited with injury did sit out their their five plays, otherwise ringing down a, a penalty from from above. But uh, still, that to me that seems like the best way to to maybe get a handle on this without making guys sit out like 15 plays or something. John, what what ideas you got up your your sleeve? Well, first of all, let's face it. The reason coaches don't like this, coaches want to cheat. It's part of their nature. It's DNA. They want to cheat. If you pass a rule, the first thing they want to try and do is, well, how can I get around this? How can I circumvent this rule? Uh, So here's what I would do. I'm not much of a hockey guy but I am aware of the penalty box. So I think when somebody goes down with an injury, you drag them off the field, fake or not, you drag them off the field, put them over on the sideline for the rest of the possession, and you're not allowed to send in a sub. You play 10-man defense. That's what they do in soccer. You you leave with an injury. Sure. Unless they sub you out. They put you in the penalty box in hockey. The guy's in the penalty box. I mean, I, I can't stand these fake injuries. For one thing, and this is just, you know, about me, not about the players or the game, but it just slows down the game. I I mean, we've got enough things slowing down the game. So I say get them off the field. You know, if they got a cramp, drag them off the field. Uh, If not, if they're faking it, just let them run off the field and then put them in that penalty box for the rest of the possession and see how they like playing 10-man defense. Well, I mean, the the faking injuries in terms of a strategy or a tactic has kind of jumped the shark in that used to, like John, what you said, coaches like to cheat. They obviously don't see it as cheating. They see it as outsmarting the system. This is a Bill Belichick thing. They are cheating. Uh, But, you know, back in the day, a number of years ago, a guy faking an injury was, well, that's a smart coach kind of getting around the rules to get an extra timeout. Um, I mean, you still see it in practices today and you see it in games. If, if your if your center on offense, if your center gets hurt, it, even a minor injury or even has something wrong with his equipment or something like that, and he has to leave the game. You'll see coaches tell him to go down that this is practiced. Um, and uh, I mean, you, you go through these scenarios in practice because, uh, a backup center then needs uh, some snaps with the quarterback, um, you know, you know, a, a few uh, practice snaps. So if a center has a minor injury, you tell them to take a dive so that they'll have practice snaps rather than the first snap with the new center being in actual play. And and that's one of those things that these are smart coaches thinking of loopholes in the system. But now it's done so frequently. Those These are not novel ideas. Faking injuries is not looked at as what smart coaches do. Faking injuries are what dumb coaches do because they can't they can't figure out a way to uh, combat things uh, on the field. If you can't slow down an offense, you just you just slow them down by faking an injury. And it's it's really it's not it's not really a smart tactic anymore. When when it, I think it was a number of years ago when offenses were slower. Um, but you're going to get so much pushback from this for a number of reasons. And I think I mean. One of those is, uh, you know, there's not going to be a consensus on much of anything in college football, and you've got to give enough consensus uh, for this to be the case. David Shaw is the uh, chair of the Rules Committee, uh, coach at Stanford, and for a number of years now, he has called this unethical, and he's 
not called out coaches by name, but he has said that co any coach that does this is uh, is just an unethical unethical coach. <laughs> and you usually get coaches around you know around college football that kind of roll their eyes and say, "David, sit down, you know, stay at Stanford. You're you're fine out there, but we 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 have di a different brand of football out here." See, I, I don't know if it's even going to change next year. I don't see how it how it is unless you add more officials to the game, and that's probably slows it down even more. What if you just did a David Shaw idea and just had like a wall of shame? Like if you're if you're found to be a coach, you know, you have like a kangaroo court that determines whether if you're found to be a coach who who authorizes fake injuries that you come up, you know, there's some wall of shame where your your picture is planted on this coaching wall of shame for a year. Because as much as coaches like to gain an edge and cheat if necessary to gain an edge, they don't really like being embarrassed and they don't like being called out by their peers. So maybe if you just had some very public a uh, wall of shame where you could plant some almost like a most wanted poster and just publicize and embarrass these coaches that are now, now the exception to that for sure one of the main exceptions is Lane Kiffin because if you saw the other day on Twitter when this uh, when it came out that fake injuries were still going to be allowed uh, Lane Kiffin retweeted one of those stories about it and tagged Vol Football on it kind of a wink wink I get to keep doing this so so there, yeah. there's no wall of shame for Lane Kiffin he's perfectly fine with uh, trolling over it. I agree, and I don't think it bothered Brian Kelly a whole lot either at LSU. I mean, he'll get up there and dance with a recruit. Nah, Wallace Shane wouldn't impact him any whatsoever. You got anything else other than I like that penalty box thought, John? Because I was, you know, Adam and I were talking about yeah, if you want to have guys sit out a certain number of plays, you have to have uh, you know an extra official monitoring this. Well, not if you have a penalty box, that makes it real easy. Make sure. As long as the guy's in the box, he's he's not on the field. You got, you got any other ways we can slow down these fake injuries? See, at first I thought just what, what they're playing do, you have to sit out of position. But at that, this was the one I came up with was because I think it, it puts more strategy in the game. Teams would actually have to practice 10-man defense. Now, a lot of the games we watch, it looks as though teams are playing a 10-man defense. Tennessee implemented a 10-man defense in the bowl game in the Music City Bowl, as you remember, against Purdue. And yeah, Lonte Taylor well. got hurt before that game, and they just forgot to replace Lonte Taylor in the lineup seemingly throughout the whole bowl game. You know, there's just so much to think about in, in on offense and defense. Sometimes you forget, oh, wait, we needed an 11th man out there. And you know, by the time they figured that out, it was too late, or maybe they saw it on film. I just think it would put more strategy. How, how are you going to employ your players when, when you only have 10 men out there? And in the it puts pressure on the – I like it because it puts pressure on the uh, offense too, on the opposing coach because, wait a minute, you couldn't even move the ball when they had 10 men on defense? How embarrassing. That's more embarrassing than a wall of shame. That's a good point. You've you've well, upped the ante for embarrassment, John. Well, well, guys, I don't know if you guys saw, but they they are selling a deterrent that that they have come up with for fake injuries. And Ooh, let's is, hear it. This is real. Um, so if you, if you don't know, last year the way that they would handle this was if you thought that the opponent was faking injuries, you would turn in, you would send the video to the conference, and then the conference, if they thought that was in case. Uh, the case, then they would then send it back to your athletic director. Um, so the athletic director would walk down the hall and tell the head coach for the, our conference says you're faking injuries and I want you to cut it out. That, that's the Ooh. way that they did it before. Yeah. <laughs> oh. 
And so, uh, uh, now the new way, there's like an extra layer on it. The new way in the 2022 season is that if you think your opponent is faking injuries, you or your conference can send the video to the national coordinator of officials, Steve Shaw, who used to be the head of officials at the SEC. He's now over the NCAA officials. You send it to him. He'll look at the video. If he determines that, yes, those are, in fact, fake injuries, he will send it back down to the conference of the team that faked the injuries, and then they will send it uh, back to that team kind of the same way it was last year, and and then the conference uh, will dictate what the, quote-unquote, further actions are. So, I've got, Adam, <laughs> so I've got, Greg Sankey is now going to decide this, I suppose. I've got another idea on this. Just as a player goes down with a, a cramp or a fake, you immediately take a photo of how the teams are lined up, each player's position on the field. Then you send a doctor out to check the player. Is he really injured? Maybe he is, maybe he isn't. Either way, you go back, then the players are required to line up again just as they were in the original photo. Game so of then, freeze tag. Yes. Yeah. And so so the offense is not penalized. I like your penalty box idea better, John. Okay, I think you, fine. You that, was all, I, that I came off the top of my head. I didn't really think that went through. What if, now, what if the team doctor has to write up a full report on every injury? <laughs> What about that? You, you, you know, you, you know how a cop has a case, and they have to spend like, at least this is what Law and Order tells me, uh, that you have to sit up all night and like type up these long reports on a crime that you investigate. What if a doctor has to write f- a five-page report on that cramp after every game? Yeah, you'd have to have some physicians assistants doing that then. You know, it's interesting, and Adam, you pointed this out to me, although the NCAA is not really taking much action over these fake injuries besides the additional layers of reporting and uh, paperwork and all this other nonsense you can you can tattle on each other, they are concerned about sock etiquette. Your, your socks now have to be pulled up so that where they, they meet the, the end of your uniform pants, so there's no gap between your, your sock and your uniform pants. So I'm glad to see that... Uh, you know, even though fake injuries may continue in the future, there won't be anybody running around out there uh, without their socks pulled up high enough. That's we're taking care of the issues that matter. It seemed like in college. Football. Yeah, and see, I have a bigger issue with the knee pad because if you look closely, now kickers do it, and that's fine. But you'll see wide receivers that will pull their pants up above their knee. So now I guess they're going to have to have their socks up above the knee, which I don't know if you can find many socks that do that, but they they got to think the next level of these things. And uh, so that's going to have to have some really fast wide receivers have to actually put knee pads in and cover that. But yeah, very important. That that was one of the rules that will change. Um, fake slides are now illegal. So fake injuries, okay. Fake slides, not okay. That's a new rule for quarterback is looks like he's going to slide uh, feet first. He's got to be down right there. Who was it? Was it Kenny Pickett that faked one It was one Kenny last Pickett year? in a bowl game. It was a pretty nice move. Will they also outlaw fake uh, stopping the clock? I remember Dan Marino had a famous Ooh. play where he faked downing the ball to stop the clock, pull the ball back up and threw a touchdown pass. That would, so nothing is – I don't think anything has been passed on that, but maybe it should be. 
You know that, I mean, how many times do you see guys fake slide though? I mean, it's not that common and we're seeing this flopping all the time and we talk about it in jest and make fun of it kind of, but it really does affect a team like Tennessee. Yeah, the interesting thing is it also affects a team like Ole Miss. I know rankled Tennessee fans uh, for all those those injuries late that game. Ole Miss is is the other team that operates at a similar tempo to Tennessee, so it it can put opposing defenses into conflict as as well. So that's sort of the interesting part of this this situation. Well, it's funny, John, that you bring up the the fake spiking the ball to stop the clock because one of the rules that they discussed that they did not pass was um, changing the game clock rules. Uh, it was discussed at length about perhaps letting the clock run through first downs rather than stopping it and also run have the clock run after incomplete passes, which I think would would be ridiculous. You'd, you, you know, you could pretty much forget those late drives and games where a team gets it, you know, with 30 seconds left, they have to get in field goal range. You throw, you know, you throw one pass it's incomplete and everybody's got to run back to the line of scrimmage and you run out of time. I think that would take out, you know, what some of the drama of games. I don't, I don't understand having the clock run uh, after an incomplete pass. Thankfully that was not passed. There was some pushback from media members I saw on the on the teleconference that I was on on this rules committee thing. And then afterward in some columns that I saw that the uh, there's pressure being put on the NCAA to change those clock rules because games are are getting too long. And the the impetus that they use is that, well, you're going to have the college football playoffs will expand in a few years and, and player safety and all these guys playing these extra games and all this and. And I don't, I don't, I don't buy that at all. If you if you change the clock rules to that extent, you're you're ruining the game under false pretenses. You, we okay, we don't want five hour games. We also don't want an hour forty five minute games either. I think you're you're going a little far with that. Yeah, if you want to speed up the game, eliminate fake injuries and eliminate the uh, twenty seven video reviews of the the spot of the ball or you know the, how many times do we hear the previous play is under review. I mean, give each team two challenges, and and that's that. I mean, there's plenty of ways to speed up the game without creating these uh, like silly, silly rules that maybe you'd have in in a uh, seven on seven summer league or something like that. I think for fake injuries, maybe we have a text line. Like anybody watching at home or in the stands, you see the video, you determine fake or not fake. Text one if fake. Text two if if real. Adam. I think that would that would be a fair way to to handle it. Anna, when you were quarterback in that Riverside team, and I know you were practically throwing on any down, I guess you guys were kind of in a hurry up all the time. Did he? Did you think any guys ever, ever uh, faked an injury to slow down your offense? Uh, I only had real injuries, many of them. <laughs> yeah, but no. I'm thinking about the opponents. We, we were not hurry up because we were uh, three and out, so we hurried uh, up to well. a punt. Uh-huh. Yeah, that was that was usually what we did. I see. Well, uh, if they would have had uh, interceptions, if they would have hadn't stopped the clock on interceptions, that would have sped up your games a lot. Then it would have. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. we didn't get to the punt because of that. And and uh, you know the uh, the hey a, a deep interception is as good as a punt. I use that one very frequently. <laughs> I guess I, I know this is my fourth interception of the game, but every one of them were 40, 40 yards downfield. So I'm a I'm a punter basically. Mm-hmm. 
Well, there's nothing fake about this podcast, and we appreciate you you listening to us here throughout the football offseason on the, on the Volunteer State. If you do not already, would appreciate it if you click subscribe or follow so you do not miss an episode. And if you enjoy what you hear on this podcast, go ahead and give us a rating or review. Those ratings and reviews help us get in front of more listeners. Adam, some uh, some other news uh, coming out in, in the past week uh, involving Tennessee. Going to be no spring game this year, at least in the traditional sense of playing a spring game in front of fans in the stands. Of course, there's ongoing renovations at Neyland Stadium. So uh, Tennessee's going to do an intra-squad scrimmage on the practice fields instead. Tell us a little bit about that and, and kind of how Tennessee came to that uh, decision. Yeah, they tried for the last few months to find uh, an alternate site. Nissan Stadium in Nashville was the obvious uh, choice. They couldn't get the the dates to line up there. I don't know all of what's going on at Nissan. They're actually talking about renovations there. But this was not the primary date, but uh, Garth Brooks is coming to Nissan. It was a makeup tour, what he canceled during the pandemic. He's coming like April 16th, I think. Now, that's going into Easter weekend, but... That was one of the dates that was maybe like third or fourth choice for Tennessee. I don't think it would necessarily come to that, but um, events like that was just going to make it very, very difficult to line up Nissan Stadium. They looked at Chattanooga for whatever reason. That fell through. I've had some people email me and say, why not have it at one of the high schools? But then you're getting into, uh, you know, you're going to have to cap the number. You're going to have overcrowding. You also have to line that up. So at some point they just said, hey, Neyland Stadium is under renovation. We can't have it there. Um, and we can't put people around the practice field. And actually, one of the practice fields is going to be part of the construction uh, that's going on at the indoor facility. So there's not a place to put thousands of people to watch a scrimmage. So um, they are going to have a scrimmage April 9th, uh, an inter-squad scrimmage, not necessarily going to be a traditional spring game, but it'll be a scrimmage nonetheless. Media will be in there. Recruits will be able to go in there, which is really all that this is for and players, uh, parents, and family members will be in there. Fans can watch it in sort of a tailgate uh, situation in Vol Village because uh, there's going to be a baseball game, track meet, and all that the same weekend. You can go out there and watch it on, like, big video screens that they'll have out there. And you, if you, if you like watching <laughs> intra-squad scrimmages <laughs> on big video screens in the, sun, in the sunshine at a tailgate, hopefully it's sunny, then uh, – then then have at it and uh be tail, tailgating out there food trucks and i guess i'll be tweeting from the inner squad scrimmage people can just hold their phones and look down and then look up at the screen and that'll be that'll be your entertainment that's the closest they're going to get I'm, i've actually been surprised that i haven't gotten a lot of complaints via email i got a lot of emails about the fake injury stuff i haven't really got a lot of ut fans complaining that they're not going to have a spring game i know people are disappointed but it seems like most people are reasonable of, hey, it's renovations to Neyland Stadium. That's what matters most. It sucks they couldn't figure this out, but but I'm I'm not like infuriated by it. I don't know if you guys have gotten uh, have gotten a whole lot of heard a lot of a lot of criticism over it. I sent you an email complaining about not having a spring game. John, you never go to the spring games anyway. I know you make it a point to take vacation during spring games because you're you're not a fan of of spring football. No, right? I, I wish they would come up could come up with a reason why they couldn't have spring practice. Just a whole shebang, <laughs> just cancel it. And they did that in 2020. It was uh, uh, international pandemic. They canceled spring practice. Yes, that's right. 
to go with. It, it seems like this might be the ideal outcome for, for a coach. I'm not saying Josh Heupel specifically is celebrating this, but I think you sort of alluded to this, Adam, in that, well, recruits are going to be able to attend this scrimmage. And really, I think, you know, to a certain extent, that's what spring games are for, right? They're for recruits. I mean, if you just want to practice against each other and, and see how the two deep stacks up, well, you don't need to do that in a spring game in front of thousands of fans with the SEC network broadcasting to opposing coaches, you can do that on your practice field. So I'm not sure how much college football coaches really want to have spring games anyway. If, if they all could do this and get away with it, I think they'd all just say, you know what, we're going to cancel the spring games. We're going to have an in-house scrimmage. We'll invite the recruits to come in and have a good time. And, and that'll be that. Yeah. Coaches like to coach ball. They like to close facilities and have just their coaches and their players out there and run through what they want to run through without media there, without, without the SEC network there. Coaches don't like to stand 20 yards behind the line of scrimmage with a headset on talking to somebody up in a booth about how their, you know, their offensive line has been developing in their winter workouts on the um, SEC network. Nobody wants to do that spring game type stuff. They have to, but if they could find a way to get out of all this, they certainly would. And, and it's not that Hopel asked for this, but I think any coach would, would love to skip spring games if they could. Not any coach. Butch Jones would love to be out there with a microphone. He, that was his finest hour. John, will you be out there in the Vol Village watching the live stream <laughs> of the inter-squad scrimmage on the practice fields, taking notes and uh, mingling with uh, with listeners of this podcast out there in Vol Village? Should you sign, maybe signing autographed copies of your, your two books? Uh, thanks for the plug. Uh, no, I'm planning right around the time of the spring game, I'll either be having a uh, ultrasound or be on vacation, one of the two. Uh, I, I think they make, should make an exception for this, not just you talked about media could go, should go to the scrimmage and recruit. I also think they should have boosters with with NIL deals to present to all match them up with recruits. Yeah, set up like a, a little stand, like, you know, yes. you go to like a, a career day or an internship job day. Fair. Or, yeah, job yeah, fair. Yeah, the big job fair. Uh -huh. Yeah, just set up booths with, with potential NIL deals. That's a good idea. You know, it's funny you guys say that because I, I have gotten a few tweets and things about how come they don't do the fan days like they used to do. And this is for UT, but this is every school. You, you don't see that many of the um, the events where like the whole team lines up at tables and you've you know, you hand hand them a football or a poster, a schedule poster, and everybody signs it. You don't see that 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 much anymore, and they're not doing that for spring either, like a fan fest type thing. And there's one reason for that: it's nil. You because it, here's what happens: you they sign autographs at their nil events that they're paid for. Players do. <laughs> you know, you go to a, a wing shack or a, a, a burger place or something and you're paid a couple hundred dollars to sit there and sign autographs for people that come to the restaurant. You're paid NIL deals for that. If you then do fan days where you require all the players to come and sign autographs, a player is easily going to say, practically speaking, um, I'm not going to sign for free because I signed for X number of dollars, you know, tomorrow night at this place over here. So I'm not going to, you know, dilute my brand by signing things for free. And then if you then have players sit out from that, 
um, then they're going to get tagged as, you know, this selfish guy. You know, how come this, how come some of the team's here and not the rest of the team? Well, because the rest of the team is signing for money and we don't, we can't give you money. Um, and so that, that's why, if people wonder why you don't see these big fan day autograph sessions last couple of years in most college football places, that's why it's NIL. Well, I think they should have that. The media members can sign autographs. Fans can get, get a photo of a media member, pose with, yeah. I suggested that, John. Hang out in Vol Village with copies of your book. And, uh, you know, if someone buys a copy of one of your two books, you, you sign, they get the signature for free. The book they have to pay for, uh, but they have to, but you get to give them the signature well, for, for free. But you're not interested in hanging out in Vol Village and, and no, watching not, the intra-squad scrimmage, it sounds like. Not at all, but I don't think it's fair to plug my book and not plug yours. So uh, that book you did on an Asian sniper, I think, is, uh, I think you could sell a few copies there at the Village. Yeah, Asian American, Chinese American. She's a uh, a professional marksman. So yes, not a sniper, marks- but a marksman. Okay, well, yeah. Slim potato, potato. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> All right, enough about John and I's books. Enough about fake injuries. Uh, we'll leave her here. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Volunteer State. <laughs>